pressing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny, episode 109. Today I'm going to chat with Carl Erickson from Tactical Rifleman, talk about fashion gone wrong, and discuss the CMMG Banshee 9mm pistol. I am your host, Ava Flanell, and Carl, how are you doing today? I'm doing outstanding, Ava. I appreciate you asking. Oh, that's great. Are you going to ask me how I'm doing? How are you doing? Oh, I thought you'd never ask. (laughs) No. (laughs) Well, I'm also doing well. I just finished doing two back-to-back bar classes, and I stepped on the scale today, and believe it or not, I'm almost embarrassed to say this, but I'm like down 20 pounds, which is crazy because I tried to find like a picture. A year ago, I started working out, and I tried to find like a before picture of like when I looked heavier, but it's really hard. I guess I never really looked heavy. I think I just kind of tightened up, but... Yeah, freaking 20 pounds. So I just yeah, want... You're, you'll drop it on the range. I think that's the best diet ever designed is uh, gunpowder and uh, and uh, firearms. Well, well, you definitely best have to ever. be you definitely have to be fit in order to shoot a lot of these guns because some of these guns are super heavy, especially the long guns. And mm-hmm. I definitely used to, like my arms used to get tired pretty quickly. But I just want everyone to know out there that if I can do it and like get in shape and lose some weight, you guys can definitely do it because... I'm very much like a foodie. I hate dieting. So just find a good workout that you love and eventually you can pretty much eat whatever you want. All right. End rant. Uh, before we get started, I want to talk about Manicore Arms. So their night break, uh, which is a muzzle device. So it reduces the muzzle rise as well as the recoil reduction. I put one on the latest AR that I built, which is chambered in 762 by 39. And it's like, it is amazing. I'm telling you, if you guys buy it, you are not going to regret it. It is the best muzzle device that I have yet to try on a rifle. So head on over to manicorearms.com. The cost for the muzzle device, the night break, is $64.95. But if you use the code GUNFUNNY15, you will get 15% off, and you can thank me later. Learn the things you never knew. On Deconstructing the Industry. So, Carl, I have to laugh because yesterday when we talked on the phone, so this was kind of put together last minute because I needed a guest and we kind of work for like the same agency. And so Uh I told my guy, I was like, yeah, I need a guest. Like if you could find one, because I've been totally slacking. And, uh, anyway, so I talked to you yesterday and you're like, yeah, I'm going to be honest. Like I've never listened to your podcast. I don't even know what a podcast is. And I was like, well, I'm going to be honest. Cause like, I've never even seen your YouTube channel. <laughs> so it's, no, it's, it's kind of funny. It is what it is. We're, we're from different worlds. That's all. But you know, it is a small world. So eventually, uh, you bump into all kinds of neat and interesting people. So definitely. Well, and apparently we've met too before. Uh, we, yes, Briefly. we stood within nine feet of each other. We were introduced, okay. uh, but the same time, uh, they introduced 50 other people to you and 49 yeah. other people to me. So, yeah. So it's like, you just kind of, yeah, you see so many faces, but so I'm glad we met and I'm glad to have you on the show. I'm actually really excited cause I was kind of doing some research on you and you definitely have a really interesting background. And I think what you're doing right now is really cool. If you, so if listeners don't know, you know, what it is that you do, can you talk about your current career and what it is you do? 
Well, after I retired the military, I was like, you know, um, now what do you do? The biggest problem people have with the military getting out is they miss it. They miss it so bad, the excitement and everything. So I was like, how do you do that? And you do that by, uh, okay, I went from shooting guns and blowing stuff up to now I teach people to shoot guns and blow stuff up. Mm-hmm. So uh, I transitioned directly over into uh training basically and because uh, that's the that was the job of a green beret really is to go into other countries if you think about like behind enemy lines in world war ii with the french resistance the idea of green berets that 12-man team you can drop them behind enemy lines and they can gather train and lead on combat ops a whole guerrilla force you know and mm-hmm. uh so we're big on training i've taught international troops all over the planet, been to 41 different countries. So I like training. I'm big on training military law enforcement, but I'm also big on training civilians. And that's kind of where I'm focusing now. And so have you always been a Green Beret or how did you start? What was your military career like? Uh, back in the day, uh, you couldn't go straight to being a Green Beret. You, uh, because you're supposed to, Green Berets are supposed to be the experienced guys. So in order to be a Green Beret, you had to be a sergeant or an E5. Okay. And uh, I, I knew, I, I always knew I wanted to be a Green Beret uh, going all the way back to where I first saw the old John Wayne movie, The Green Berets. That's what I want to do, which is kind of cool because most high school kids and college kids have no idea what they want to do in their lives. And here I am in junior high school knowing what I want to do the rest mm-hmm. of my life. Yeah. Fast forward. Back in the day, you couldn't start out just as a Green Beret. You had to start out as a, you had to be a sergeant first because Green Berets are supposed to be experienced. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, fresh out of high school, I, I went into the infantry because you need to have a good tactical background to be a good Green Beret. Mm-hmm. After watching the movie with John Wayne and everything, that's, I knew that's what I wanted to do with my life, but I, I actually had to, start off in the regular army. So what better way to get that tactical background? Started off in the infantry, a recon platoon, got sniper school and ranger school under my belt. And then right after Desert Storm, yep, I'm that old. I went to special forces selection and never looked back. Wow. And how long were you, how long were you in the military for? Mm. Uh, for, yeah, pretty well forever. My, I say 25 years. My wife will say 25 and a half years. It was. She mentions that extra half year. But, uh, yeah, I got asked, Carl, are you going to stay and make it a career? And I said, no, as soon as I'm not having fun, I'm going to get out. But I went special forces and honestly, it's, a, it's the best job in the world. Better than, better than a rock star. I mean, literally, uh, I would not have traded my career for anything. I, loved going to work every day. It was just interesting. You know, Hey, it's Monday. What are we going to do? We're going to go to the range. We're going to shoot guns. It's Tuesday. Hey, what are we going to do? Uh, we're going to take the day off, come back at 6 PM. We're going to get on a plane and we're going to go jump out of the plane at 27,000 feet and, uh, you know, do a halo drop or what are we going to do in the next it's Wednesday. What are we going to do? We're going to go to the demo range. Uh, and that's just, it was something different every day and uh it did it went by really really fast uh i the towers fell and 
you know, immediate deployments back to back to back combat deployments and hit 20 years and they offered, Hey, we still need you. And I just stayed extra year, extra year. And, uh, you know, I hit, like I said, I hit 25 years and it, I started to see how much it was wearing on my family. Basically my kids missed, uh, having their father around for 10 years and I started to see it showing up in their, their, uh, just their personality. So it, it was time for me to pull the plug. I figured I was still young enough. I was still, uh, relevant as far as the tactics and all the information that I had. Now is the perfect time to transition over to the civilian sector. And uh, I, I was actually going to be a contractor and my best friend looked at me and said, well, that's awful selfish of you. And I'm like, well, what are you talking about? He said, well, you've got all this knowledge. You need to be passing this on to the next generation of warfighter. And uh, I, I thought about that. And you can go to all the military schools, but that's not where you learn a lot of this stuff because the, the military schools, they're regurgitating what the instructor before him had taught him. So that's why I'm so big on the military training with other branches of service, other international units, training with other civilian schools like uh, like the one that we have, because we use the subject matter experts that just got out of the SEAL teams, that just got out of the Ranger battalions, just got out of special forces. And uh, we bring in the subject matter experts, and now we're able to pass on all of our lessons learned to that next generation. Hmm. Um, you know, I'm listening to your voice. Where are you from the East Coast? Uh, try not to hold it against me. I was, uh, I grew up in Connecticut. I hate Connecticut. So for all the people out there in Connecticut, I invite you all to leave and go move to America. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I left Connecticut, uh, right after high school when I joined the military and, uh, I was down in the 101st in Kentucky. Uh, right during Desert Storm, right after Desert Storm, that's when I met my beautiful bride and uh, married her. And I, I still, to this day, live in her hometown. We've got a nice little retirement plot here and uh, swimming pool in the backyard, a hundred meter pistol range in my backyard. And I have zero complaints. Nice. I love my life. Very yeah. nice. Living the dream. Um, I do try. So, Very you know, blessed. it's weird because I was thinking about this the other day that so typically, you know, after 20 years of doing of being in the military, then you can retire. And it's stupid kind of not to do those 20 years because they give you a pretty good package when you retire. But then yep. figure, all right, you join when you're 18, 20 years later. So now you're uh what, like 40, you know, almost 40 years old. And it's like 38. Like, what are you supposed to do? Because you're, you're kind of, yeah. well, you're kind of right. I mean, especially if you were, you know, an infantry or something like that, it's like, well, what kind of experience and how can you apply that to like the civilian world? So I, you know, I have quite a few friends that are in the military and they plan on retiring, but I can't help but wonder like, all right, well, what's your game plan when you get out? So I could understand. So when did you, did you start tactical rifleman or was it somebody else? No, it's actually, I started it, uh, the company I was working for, uh, tier one group down in Memphis, great training facility and nobody knows about it. Think the Blackwater training compound 
but it's squirreled away in Arkansas and nobody's heard of it. It's got a dirt road comes off of the highway. You turn the corner and then there's the signs that say deadly force authorized, all that stuff. Uh-huh. Great training camp, but, uh, like all other training companies, you know, they, they have, they do training videos and they all have Facebook pages and, uh, YouTube and Instagram, but nobody was really actively engaged on social media. And I see all my buddies that are subject matter experts in combatives or survival or, or on-road, off-road driving. And they're, they have their small little training companies. They are literally these subject matter experts on the planet. But nobody could get the word out properly. So I was like, well, how do I do this? And uh, so I was approached by a film crew that I had filmed the Maximum Warrior competition with a couple years prior. It was put on by Jeep and Maxim Magazine. It was a big competition only on the internet called uh, Maximum Warrior. And uh, I actually won it the first season before I retired, which was kind of cool. I won a Jeep Rubicon and got to keep all the guns and everything. So anyways, I hit it off with the film crew. And they had just got done filming some videos with FPS Russia doing some jackassery, blowing stuff up. And they, uh, I guess the film crew almost got hurt. And uh, they're like, hey, Carl, we noticed there's not a lot of YouTube channels showing how the military shoot moves communicates. And it, it kind of happened the same time I started thinking about it. I was like, you know, this is divine intervention right here. As much as I never thought of myself doing any kind of social media at all, it's kind of a no-no for Green Berets. You know, we're not supposed to be on the Internet at all, uh, but I'm not now. I'm a fag. I'm a former action guy. I'm not a Green Beret anymore. I'm trying to get my word out. How do we do this? So we started Tactical Rifleman YouTube channel to show how the military shoot moves communicates. And I wanted this channel to be a place where Anybody, any uh, any former special ops guy, and I've got SEALs that do videos and Air Force PJs and MARSOC guys and uh, Rangers and Green Berets. And uh, if they're the subject matter expert, I try to drag them in to do videos because it's, it's helping get the word out to make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. But I'm also helping these guys get their message out. There's a great example is Randy Rawhide Worst. This is a old Green Beret that literally wrote the survival portion of SOCOM's SEER manual a couple decades ago when they updated that manual. He's literally the guy that wrote it. He grew up doing survival when he was 8 and 10 years old with his Indian father. And uh, he still to this day teaches survival classes. But I asked, I went and checked on his website. He doesn't have one. Do you have Facebook? He doesn't have, I'm like, well, what do you have to advertise your pages? He had a PDF that he sends people. I'm like, brother, I'm going to drag you into the 21st century, whether you like it or not. So there's lots of great instructors out there, these diamonds in the rough. And that's, I've taken it that this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to drag these guys out. I'm going to put them on tactical riflemen. I'm going to get their faces in front of the camera. Very nice. I'm going to stop you for a second. We're going to take a quick break to talk about SB Tactical. Okay, that was a little loud. So um, have you heard of... That's how this stuff works. (laughs) Have you heard of SB Tactical? I have not. 
So they're the ones that make the braces that, you know, go on um, any of the ARs or, I mean, really it's not just ARs, all different kinds of guns. They're really branching off to a lot of stuff. So uh, one of the newer guns that they just made a brace for is the HK, well, not a newer gun, but one of the newer braces is for the HK PDW. And yeah. uh, basically it fits any MP5 or any MP5 uh, K reverse stretch, you know, clones. But I love their braces. They're really comfortable. They're designed really well, like aesthetically pleasing. And so I would definitely recommend check them out. Go to sb-tactical.com. And if you use that code gunfunny15, you'll get 15% off. All right. So that, um, that's really sexy right there. What you just said. And the, the whole thing about the, the braces is everybody loves the MP5s, but, and I, I, drug them all over the planet. I've used hundreds of rounds of them through Africa and the Middle East, but they were always restricted because these were short barrel rifles, yeah. uh, sub guns. And now with these braces, uh, no, that's so awesome. I'm yeah. excited about that. Yeah, definitely. I will yeah. Check that Don't out worry. Sure. I'm, I'm picking up what you're dropping. <laughs> there you go. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to get that code. Thank you. Yeah, of course. You're welcome. So how long ago did you start tactical rifle? Okay. Uh, we started tactical rifleman, I want to say three years ago. And, uh, I told the film crew, look, we're not going to do the jackassery, blowing up Tannerite, all that stuff. We're going to keep this professional. And I don't care if we ever get any subscribers at all. And, um, it took us like a year to hit 25,000 subscribers. And I was excited about that. I thought, yeah, that's great. Oh, we did great, you know, and then at SHOT Show, we hit a 100,000 subscribers and we actually just hit, uh, I think a couple of weeks ago, 400,000 subscribers. So I'm told that's pretty good for a boring old retired SF guy. <laughs> so my goal was to hit half a million subscribers and then... I'm going to just quit looking at it anymore because uh, I'm not so much about the numbers is I'm more about uh, feedback from not just viewers, uh, cause, you know, because there's a lot of people that just want to watch the stuff on the Internet. And that, that's not so much my target audience. Our audience is we want to reach people that want to legitimately train because there are a lot of concerned citizens out there and we want to make them capable citizens. We want to make the world a better place. So do you, I mean, I know that um, a lot of people typically don't want to mix, you know, whatever like military training they're getting with uh, civilian training. Like there's a lot of people that are like, oh, you know, the, only the military should know how to do this or civilians is not the same for them as it is the military. What are your thoughts on that? Well, um, and, and, you know, everybody hears it, well, uh, they say this is competition shooting versus this is combat shooting. Okay. Um, this is home defense. This is, is different than you being overseas. No, it's not. I, I'm here to tell you whether you're using an AR in the middle of an alleyway in Fallujah with a couple guys shooting to your left and right, or whether you're using an AR in the long hallway of your house with your spouse leaning over your shoulder, bridging the other corner of the, uh, of the hallway there with her AR or her, uh, SIG MPX, whatever your, let's, my wife loves her SIG MPX. Um, either way, that is still combat shooting, whether it's Fallujah or it's a hallway in your house. 
you are in a gunfight for the rest of your life. So uh, now, likewise, I don't say you shouldn't do competition shooting. Is there a difference between competition shooting and combat shooting? Yes, but I would still always send my snipers, my assaulters from my old unit to go compete in civilian shooting competitions. And, and here's why. Every time you're manipulating your firearm under stress on the clock, you know, speed reloads, everything else for accuracy, you're helping yourself maintain that muscle memory for combat shooting. Now, there are some things you don't do in competition uh, or some things that you wouldn't do in combat that you can do in competition shooting. You can break that shotgun off your shoulder because you know the bad guys aren't going to turn the corner while you're doing that quad reload. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got that. And that saves a few tenths of a second here and there. Uh, but I encourage my guys, hey, there's just some things I won't do in competition shooter. You'll never see me go to the prize table first or second, but you will see me go in the top 50, top 100 at a big match. And that's because I'm still shooting using the techniques that I know are tactically sound. Mm -hmm. So what courses um, do you teach? Uh, we teach a little bit of everything. Uh, like I said, I have subject matter experts in just about every field. Our meat and potatoes is we start people off with what we call combat pistol 101, which is not a basic pistol course, by the way. Uh, it Not at all. You need to have you need to be comfortable with the firearm before you show up there. But we start off with combat mindset, why your body responds the way it does when you go into fight or flight. We we get you by the end of the day, you have mastered the drills of combat shooting with the, with the pistol. That's usually a Friday class. Uh, and then Saturday, Sundays, we usually do, we follow it up with combat pistol carbine, where we get into, you know, actually fighting with your, your long gun. Because the reality is if, if you're going to a gunfight, I'm not bringing a pistol to a gunfight. I'm not. I'm going to bring a rifle to a gunfight. I always have a pistol on me. I don't, I don't, uh, shower with one anymore, but I will always have a pistol on me. And, and McCall, you just said you wouldn't bring a pistol to a gunfight. So no, if I know I'm going to a gunfight, I'm going to bring a rifle, but the pistol is to buy me time to get to my rifle one. Mm -hmm. And that pistol is there in case, uh, in case your rifle shits the bed. If you're standing in the room with three bad guys, you don't have time to fix that rifle. Uh, why would you try to clear a malfunction on your rifle when you've got a perfectly functional, perfectly working loaded pistol on your hip? So mm -hmm. we practice transition drills. That course, we also get into one-handed shooting, uh, which is not just shooting. If you're in combat, not only do you need to be able to shoot that pistol one-handed, you need to be able to reduce malfunctions. You need to be able to draw. You need to be able to reload. And one-handed reloads from the sitting position, from the prone, from the standing uh, with your support arm, with your support arm, because, you know, I've checked the military regulations and I have never seen a regulation that says God is only going to injure your your support arm. So if your strong hand is the arm that gets incapacitated, you need to be able to draw that pistol with your support side arm. You need to be able to load it, uh, reload it, and reduce malfunctions with it. And that's kind of stuff we cover in that course. We also do um, uh, high-speed vehicle dynamics, tactical driving, 
we, we get in the medical side of it. Now we teach, uh, tactical combat casualty care, uh, the actual standard, uh, that the military and law, law enforcement uses. And now these, remember, these guys always have a IFAC with them, that individual first aid kit. Mm-hmm. But one thing that we do that's a little different than everybody else is we also have a civilian side of that class. Now, when people say, well, it's a, it's the civilian class. I want to take the military one. I, I, it's not watered down. What we've done is we take the same standard tactical combat casualty care, but we've modified it for the civilian situation because the reality is you may have a cat tourniquet or a soft T-wide military tourniquet with you. And if you do, you need to know how to use it. I'm good with that. Uh, but it doesn't do you any good if you've got a thousand dollars worth of medical gear up in the attic of your house and you're out in the mall shopping with your, with your family, you know, when the active shooter happens or heaven forbid that 80 year old, uh, pilot has a heart attack behind the wheel and lands his Cessna in the food court. You, there's a lot of medical casualties there and you've got two paramedics that are 20 minutes away. Okay. Well, what are you going to do? You know, why would I take off my belt to use as a tourniquet when I'm standing right in front of Dillard's and there's a rack of hundred dollar silk scarfs right there. So part of the course is we teach you not just how to use the correct medical gear, but we also teach you what makes it correct. What does correct look like? And then when you don't have correct, we teach you how to use expedient methods to, to solve the problem that, that you're faced with. It's not about uh, just treating a grade sheet. It's about treating the situation that you're in in real life. And that's kind of how we base all of our classes, whether it's survival, whether it's shooting, whether it's medical. We show you what correct looks like, and then we teach you how to improvise, adapt, and overcome whatever uh, whatever life throws at you, you need to be able to face it, uh, push your shoulders back, suck it up and accomplish the mission, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So do you travel around and teach these classes or are you just? No, uh, uh, we do. Um, I have a traveling road show. That's kind of what we think of this place. At. Now we teach majority of our classes in uh, the Western Kentucky area, simply because it's closer for us. Uh, we've got indoor ranges. We've got indoor shootouts uh, in Louisville. Um, we're right near the Rock Castle Shooting Center. So like for long range shooting, we've got Thunder Valley. We can get out to a mile. Uh, we've got lots of stuff like that. But that said, if any of your viewers want to bring the tactical rifleman training team out there, I need a range with a classroom. And then I, you find me nine paying students. It just has to be cost effective for us. We're not looking to get rich off of people. We're just passionate about, hey, we want to make the world a better place. We want to do that by sharing the knowledge that we have. So as so long as it's cost effective for us, uh, matter of fact, I've got two classes second half of October down in San Antonio, Texas. And uh, those classes, they they always sell out. They do. They sell out. I have no problem traveling. Okay. Um, and then in the bio, you said, you know, you were stressing some, like about muscle memory, which I completely agree with. I'm also an instructor. So a lot of the things that you're saying, I, I teach as well. But why is it so important to stress the muscle memory and basically just train so that it becomes a habit? 
And how do you, and how do you get to that point? Um, a lot of your viewers may not even realize what muscle memory is and what it is. And it's a slang term, but what you, cause I've heard other people do comments. Well, muscles don't have memory. Yeah, I, I got that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, what it is, is it's just slang. You're talking about the difference between the subconscious mind and the conscious mind. The conscious mind, that's us thinking about things. It does, it does not work as fast as a subconscious mind does. Subconscious mind works basically in 0.22 seconds for a human reaction time. Now, I don't want to get in, so you say a quarter of a second, but I don't want to get into the math and everything, but I just want to say that, you know, I, you being able to push all those shooting skills into your subconscious mind is going to make you faster. Now, when you drove to the store today, or when you drove to the studio today, you drove there subconsciously. Now, that does not sound safe, but when you look back at, go back to when you did driver's ed in high school or your father taught you how to drive and you were driving, you first got your license, when you came up to that stop sign, all right, I need to take my foot off the gas. I need to put it on the brake. I need to put on directional signal. I need to look left, look right, look left again. I need to take my foot off the brake, put it on the gas. You had to think about driving. You were driving consciously. Now when you drive, you drive subconsciously. And while it doesn't sound safe, by your subconscious mind driving, it frees up the conscious mind to be looking for that green light turning yellow, for that bouncing ball coming out behind the car that's got the kid running across the street. It frees up the conscious mind for you to listen to the radio, to talk on the phone hands-free, Right, but you, you see what uh, you see what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. Uh, you that is separating your conscious mind from your subconscious mind. Likewise, for shooting, when when that assaulter blows that door open and he goes through that doorway into that fatal funnel, he's going into the unknown. Every room he goes into may be the last room of his life. Now, when he goes into that doorway. He does not have time to be thinking about, I I need to rotate the selector lever. I need to line up my sights. I need to roll through the trigger. He doesn't have time for that. He All he has time for is, is it a threat? Is it not a threat? Is it a threat that warrants deadly force? Right. And to reach that level of training, and everybody can do it. Everybody can do it. And uh, you you have that muscle memory for certain tasks in your life already. If you want to get better at shooting, you need to push those shooting skills into your subconscious mind. And the only way to do that is practice correctly, and then you have to have the repetitions to do it. It takes about three to 5,000 repetitions done correctly to push something in a task into your subconscious mind. Now, uh, if, you, if, so if somebody shows up to one of your classes with a bad habit, Let's say they stack their thumbs wrong on the side of the pistol so they don't have a good grip that you don't like. Mm-hmm. You're going to correct them and all the rest of your class that day, they're going to do it correctly right up until the end of the day when you pull out that pro timer and you start doing tests. Mm-hmm. As soon as that buzzer goes off and he draws, you're going to see his thumbs go back wrong again. Why? Why? It's not that he's deliberately doing it wrong. He's going back to his subconscious mind's way of shooting because you only had him do 200 repetitions. Now, you didn't fail as an instructor. I didn't fail as an instructor. You show them what correct is, but we need to make sure people understand it takes 
anywhere from seven to 9,000 repetitions to change a bad habit. So if you're going to change a way you draw, a way you hold the gun, a way you do anything, uh, you need to go back and continue after you take the course, right? Because our courses are one day, two day, three days. They then need to go back home and continue with proper repetitions until they master it. And the, the word master just means you've pushed that skill into your subconscious mind. And once people grasp that, the difference between muscle, what the true meaning of muscle memory is, subconscious mind versus uh, your conscious mind, it really gets real easy for them to understand the importance in having that for combat shooting. Gosh, I didn't realize that it took that many reputi- repetitions. I'm like thinking, uh, I'm like, know, what have I done in my life that I even dedicated, you know, to doing like seven to nine thousand that, times? Why I, but and that's why I use driving as a uh, as yeah, a uh, as example, an example because mm-hmm. you've literally every time you get behind the wheel, that's one more repetition. Mm-hmm. Hmm, very crazy. Where can listeners find you on the internet? Where can they find us? You, uh, well, if you like videos besides just listening, you can go to our YouTube channel, Tactical Rifleman. Uh, we put out a new video every Friday, and it'll be a very varying subjects on how the military shoot moves communicate and how we can make you a better combat uh, shooter, a better capable citizen. Uh, we are on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, Twitter. We post pictures and stuff there, but it's basically just to drive you to our website and our YouTube channel. Uh, if you're interested in getting classes, uh, doing training, uh, or just finding out more about us, uh, you can go to tacticalrifleman.com, and uh, we've got our website there. We've got a store uh, something that people like our t-shirts and things like that. Uh, but the big thing, we also have a Amazon store there. Why do I support Amazon? Absolutely not. So why would I have an Amazon store? Because Amazon is, you know, it's, it's the Walmart of the internet. Mm-hmm. So what it allows me to do is if somebody sees a piece of kit or something in one of our videos, we always try to drag a link to it. So you at least you want to find the correct object, we put the link from Amazon on our Amazon store, so like for my holster or the pistol light or this, that, and the other. If they want to buy it from Amazon, fine. Uh, I don't care, uh, but I want them to at least get the correct thing. And the reason why I mention that is medical gear, for example, there is so many, and everybody knows the Chinese just mm-hmm. counterfeit all the good stuff that's out there. And, um, and, and Amazon's bipod, like... Amazon's notorious for selling like counterfeit very, medical very stuff. No, very, very notorious. But we will have the links for the correct stuff. So when you get to Amazon, you'll see our link will be for like the North American Rescue tourniquet that costs you 40 or $60. Just because there's a $3 one underneath it on Amazon, don't get that one. Get the exact same model number that uh, that we're recommending for you. And like we have our books that there, you know, there are dozens of books that I recommend people have because I'm a big believer that knowledge is power. Knowledge is always going to be your best weapon, your best tool that you can have. And uh, having, even if you're not interested in reading it right now, uh, there may come a day where you may need to know how to do a lot of things. Uh, you may not have a lot of these internet resources out there. 
And having a well-stocked bookshelf is just as important as having a well-stocked gun room. Listen, I don't need 12 ARs. Yeah. Okay. Well, you lost me there, but you also lost me if we don't have internet. Like, I'm not trying to live in this world without internet. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> but I do think that people should read more and, you know, and it's nice to read books, so cool part is all these books you can get on Kindle and yeah. uh, audio, audio for listening while you're driving on long trips. But, uh, that, that phone, they call it a smartphone, but that puppy is a little handheld computer. Mm-hmm. And I've got, I think, I think I've got a hundred reference books on my, just on my phone. So even if I'm sitting somewhere with no cell phone signal, uh, middle of nowhere, you already I, have it downloaded. You know, sit, yeah, sitting in the tree stand or whatever, you can still uh, sit there and catch up on your reading. Definitely. All right. So to wrap that up, we are going to move forward and uh, talk about Sportsman's Guide real quick. And I kind of thought that was a good tangent because you mentioned, you know, if you're sitting in a tree or something for hunting, I assumed a sportsman's guide right now, they have all their duck and goose season, uh, hunting equipment like decoys, duck calls. I mean, even like hand and feet warmers. So if you guys are into that, uh, definitely head on over to sportsman's guide. They sell, I mean, a variety of anything and everything. So I would highly recommend them, uh, for all of your needs Head on over to sportsmansguide.com, and if you use the code GUNFUNNY20, you'll get $20 off your purchase of $100 or more. And we really want you all to support Sportsman's Guide because uh, me particularly, uh, for example, this Friday's video on Tactical Rifleman, we're doing a four-part series on how you can become a better hunter by learning from our military snipers. And... Uh, when I came up with the idea, the concept for that video, it's actually four separate videos. Sportsman's Guide jumped right in to help sponsor us. They hooked us up with all kinds of uh, tree stands, ground blinds, camouflage, everything. So, yeah, I can't say enough uh, asking wow. viewers and listeners to help support Sportsman's Guide. Yeah, that's really nice of them. All right, let's get into our AF segment. Stupid, funny, cool. Interesting, awesome, as never mind. AF. So recently, I saw something, an article on. Um, it's created a lot of controversy. So it's a fashion brand, and uh, the company is called Bistroy, B S T R O Y, and they designed school hoodies that basically have holes in them to show like mass shootings, which is freaking crazy to me. So they have holes in them and they used so far, they used four schools, like basically their school colors and, and, uh, uh, logo and stuff like that, which is like Sandy hook, Columbine, Virginia tech and Douglas. And, you know, a lot of people, so it actually did get a lot of backlash, especially people who were victims of those shootings or they lost loved ones in those shootings. One person said, I mean, it was a longer uh, statement. What kind of spoke to me was the one statement that says, our pain is not to be used for your fashion. Uh, so that's a pretty strong statement. And then 
Another person said this should enrage people. This should spark conversation. This is what art and fashion are all about. The problem here isn't the hoodies. It's the fact that we have enough school shootings to make an entire, an entire fashion collection of them, which in reality, I mean, it's for, you know, for schools, but it's like, I don't know. It's like kind of crazy. Um, I guess they posted this on Instagram. That's where they released these, you know, their new fashion. It's, it's their fashion line for 2020. But I don't know. What are your thoughts on this? It's kind of, well, it's one, it, it's two, uh, people take this, um, freedom of speech thing a little too far. I, right. And I'm all about, it. I, I agree with, uh, everybody's allowed to voice their views, but, uh, you know, it's being rude. It is, it's yeah. being rude and it's in poor taste. I, yeah, uh, I agree. That's what it is. It's poor taste. Like, I understand, like, hey, if you want to take a stand, you know, whatever, everyone's entitled to their opinion. But I think that that's exactly right, is it's just, this is done very, like, in very poor taste. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're offending people. And when you start offending people, and I'm not talking about, oh, I'm offended because you like this or, you mm-hmm. know, you're, you're a whine and crybaby. But when you're literally offending people, uh, because you've got, certain things on your clothing, you know, and I have, I I hate to say it. I have actually walked up to people and invited them to turn down their stereos and uh, to uh, change certain things that they were doing. And I'm a very easy guy to get along with. Just uh, there are certain lines you shouldn't cross. And if I see somebody being rude to somebody else, uh, there's a lot of people in the world that, won't stand up for themselves. I really don't care about them, but there's a lot of people that can't stand up for themselves. And, uh, these, these family members that lost people there, uh, and I'm all about doing away with gun safe zones, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean we do this by offending, uh, the victims there just because they have a different political view and they want to do away with guns. That doesn't mean I want their kids getting shot. Mm-hmm. Not at all. I don't, yeah. I, I, I pray to God, no parent ever has to bury their child or, or a loved one. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's yeah, not absolutely. a gun issue. It's a society slash mental health issue. Oh yeah. I completely agree. It's just, it's so frustrating with everything going on and all these people taking stances and like stupid stances and, and just, it's crazy also, like how many people just agree that like, yeah, we shouldn't have assault rifles, military type, you know? And it's like, I don't think people realize that there's like hunting rifles that have, you know, much more like larger calibers that are much more destructible than like any AR-15. And, yeah, without a doubt. and it's, it's like, uh, just, it's just so frustrating to say the least. But yeah, so, um, I did link the, I linked the article in the show notes if you guys want to read it, but I just thought it was like pretty crazy. So kind of wanted to bring that up. All right. So Sharps Bros, they finally, they just started shipping the Brazilian cherry wood AR grip and panel set. It's really pretty. I'm like, I personally like just love the, you know, any of the wooden accessories and stuff, especially on guns. But, uh, it's going right now for $129 and 95 cents. And like I said, they just got in their first shipment. So hopefully they haven't sold out um, when this comes out, but definitely head on over to sharpsbros.com and get yours today. You mentioned hunting with an AR and uh, 
for people that have never seen an AR with all the wood uh, furniture on it, it really is beautiful. And going out hunting in the cold, holding wood forearms and that stock, it really is uh, a lot more comfortable than plastic or bare metal for sure. Huh. I actually didn't even think about that. Oh, it is. I'm, I'm, but I'm I mean, you're right because you know, if it is, if it's like some sort of metal, it's going to get cold or it's going to get super mm-hmm. hot. So that's you know, that's also that's a good point. So all right, guys, go to sharpsbros.com and check them out. Q and A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours. All right, so today's question actually has to do with guns, unlike my personal life. Uh, so um, Nathan wanted to know, you should, you'd be surprised how many questions I get. Uh, Nathan wanted to know, what is the appropriate age to get your child a firearm, and what type or model would you recommend? And do you want to go first, or should I? <laughs> Let me go first, and then you can correct me and reel me in and I don't, everything. I, I mean, who uh, knows? Maybe we're on the same page. Yeah, well... Um... I say seven years old. And the reason why, and hear me out. The reason why I say seven years old is I'm not handing that seven year old a Barrett 50 cal. Mm-hmm. What I'm, what I'm saying is a, when a child reaches seven years old, right? Cause they've already done preschool. They've already done kindergarten, their first, second grade. Why do you send them to preschool and kindergarten? Remember, we're trying to start at that young age, teach our children values. So when they hit seven, they've got the basics down. Now let's start building on it. At seven years old, I want you to start teaching your child firearm safety. Respect firearms. These are not toys. They need to learn the five rules of firearm safety right then and there. And uh, my big reason for pushing it at that age, because when they start hitting five, they're at the age where they can actually rack the slide on that pistol. They can actually pull the bolt back on that AK. And uh, they need to learn right there to respect firearms because people worry about uh, well, the tragedy of that child that finds that state trooper's spare 357 revolver in the shoebox up in the closet and he accidentally shoots the three-year-old. Yeah, that's a tragedy. How do you keep children from finding guns is don't let them be hidden. Yeah. Show the show the firearms to the children, mm-hmm. teach them to respect them, teach them safety. Because if you think you can hide your guns from your kids, think about your parents hiding those Christmas presents. Oh yeah. You found them every year. You did. So yeah. start them early and then as far as getting them out there, don't Make the first gun they ever shoot be a double barrel 12 gauge. Yeah. Start them out with, uh, I like, uh, 22 long rifles, uh, bolt action rifle with iron sights. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds archaic to the rest of the planet. I got that. Um, I totally but, agree with that though. And I already well, know where you're going with this. They learn the basics. They learn the importance of each individual bullet, not just making noise. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I see it in the military. The, the new generation of people coming in the military, they've never shot anything but red dots mm-hmm. on, on their guns. And when they get to sniper school, they want a sniper school. They've got to shoot iron sights. Uh, it's like a one inch group at 25 yards. 
That's it. Oh, it's a 25 meter range, mm-hmm. one inch group. Now I want that to sink in because that's a four minute of angle shot group. And there's a lot that can't do that with iron sights because they were never shown them. To mm-hmm. me, uh, that's, uh, you, you've got to be kidding me, but that's just the truth of it. So start your, start your child off young, seven years of age, and then to learning firearm safety. And then once they are, uh, large enough that they can get behind and they make small, uh, 22s. I'm fine with just starting with the old traditional 22 bolt action. And then as they get larger, and I'm not saying take them out hunting when they're 10 or 12. I'm saying if your child is mature enough mentally to go hunting with you, then get them to the great outdoors, let them see all these other things that they need to learn. But, you know, don't, I don't want to say there's a set age, mm-hmm. but as uh, they need to have that maturity to understand hunting, but the firearm safety, start them at seven years of age. That's, that's my take. Now you can correct me. Okay. You know, so there's, ahead. there's a few things I agree with and a few things I disagree with. So, um, for one, I totally agree with, you know, if you hide it, it automatically, you know, increases that curiosity and, you know, the minute somebody's like, oh, don't think about the pink elephant, you know, uh, your, your mind just goes to a pink elephant. I know growing up, it's funny because like you think your parents know everything as a kid. You think they're like super smart. And then you become an adult and you look back to your childhood and you're just like, what the hell were my parents thinking? So like, I remember my dad always kept a loaded shotgun right out in the open on his side of the bed loaded. My parents always had like multiple guns throughout the home and yet my sister and I, I mean, maybe, you know, I, I don't think he should have kept it out in the open, but my sister and I always knew, like, don't go into my parents' bedroom. Absolutely don't touch the guns. We knew what they were there for. We knew what they were capable of doing. And so I definitely think that, you know, demystifying that curiosity, I think is the, your biggest thing is like, show them the gun, talk to them about it, tell them what guns are capable of doing, why you have that gun. And, you know, and just tell them, hey, anytime you want to see it, just let me know. But I think that if you're trying to hide something from them, then it automatically makes them want to find it. And then that's when accidents happen. As far as um, the age, appropriate age, I really just think kind of similar to what you said about hunting, I think it just has to do with their maturity level. Because there's some seven-year-olds that are just freaking bonkers. And I would never, you know, I would never allow them to touch a gun. Like there's just, I think maturity, you know, levels definitely vary among people, not just age. I would teach them, you know, gun safety at an early age, but as far as like allowing them to shoot, I would let them work up to that and just say like, you know, if, you know, if you do this, then you can, then maybe I'll take you shooting or, you know, show you how the gun works. And then as far as like what type of gun, I totally agree with the bolt action 22 long rifle. Um, I wouldn't give them a handgun. I would definitely make it a long gun. They do have child guns. Like I know it's like the cricket and, uh, they have like smaller 22. So it's not like you have to get them like a 10 22 and it's not going to fit their, you know, their shoulder and their arms and their arm length accordingly. So they, and they're pretty affordable. Like you can get them for about a hundred dollars, 150. So yeah, that's what I would recommend. But I just think that it really just depends, you know, cause I've seen some kids that are like 10 years old and they're little brats and I would never, you for know, sure. and, and also I do think that there is something to be said, if nothing else, if they're not mature enough to shoot a gun, at least at, you know, at the very end, 
bring them to the range, show them what guns are capable of doing. And I'm not saying that, you know, violence we have to blame on video games because I don't think that that's it. I think it's uh, a mix of a bunch of things. But a lot of these kids are playing video games where they shoot the bad guy, the bad guy dies, all right, game over, and then game starts over again, the bad guy's alive again. And so I think that it would be beneficial to, at the very least, have them go to the range with you, even if they don't shoot, and have them observe what what guns are capable of doing. All right, end rant. Hopefully that helps. And uh, <laughs> and I and I definitely think that you should introduce your kids to guns because I mean I feel like you know not a lot of like even millennials you know there's not really a lot of millennials that are even into guns. So I just I hope that it's not you know it's not dying out and people still respect our Second Amendment rights and stuff. Well, you know, it's not just guns. It's outdoors in general. I, yeah. I went out with the Boy Scouts once uh, just to help out. I happened to be home from a deployment. Did they go and, camping uh, in a hotel? Yeah. Well, n- not quite that bad, but they went out, they hiked out, and uh, they was trying to start a fire. And the, the scout master and his two assistants, and it had rained cats and dogs. I got that. They couldn't get a fire started. And the, the reality is that 80% of American males can't light their charcoal grill without lighter fluid anymore. Mm-hmm. It, it's just nobody goes outside. Nobody buys fishing licenses anymore. Uh, they just – nobody gets outside. And it's sad. They're missing so much of the great planet that we're living on. Definitely. And uh, just it's, it's crazy. It really is. Yeah, I agree. All right, uh, we're going to talk about Palmer 80. Have you heard of Palmer 80? I have heard of Palmer 80. All right, good, because I was like, geez, you haven't heard of any of these companies. You are like living in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> no, 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 not that bad, not that bad. Now, uh, I will say that, uh, I have, I have students that actually show up with classes a lot with polymer 80 guns. And I love the concept. I definitely love the concept of, uh, guns that are off the books. I'm a big fan of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't personally own one. Uh, I won't say I own too many, uh, Glocks right now, but I'm on a tight budget. I have a, uh, my wife has a full-time job spending my money Mm -hmm. and my daughter has decided she wants to go to medical school. So she's in her second year. So that's pretty well where a lot of my, a lot of my money goes without my patrons supporting tactical riflemen. Uh, I wouldn't, uh, my, yeah, my ammo habit alone keeps me from buying more guns. Yeah, I know. Uh, they are sexy. They are definitely sexy guns. I, I mean, I like it because you can pick and choose every little part that you, you know, put into the gun. They are now selling complete serialized guns. And so that's kind of nice because I think it keeps, it keeps the cost down quite a bit. Um, I think they're like about $500. So that's nice. But yeah, I just, I really just like the fact that it's kind of like ARs, like you start putting guns together and it's just super addicting. And I don't even know how many Polymer 80s I have at this point, but if you guys want to check them out, go to Polymer80.com, use the coupon code GUNFUNNY and that gets you 15% off. Nice. Tactic Talk, discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. 
All right. So you wanted to talk about the CMMG Banshee nine millimeter pistol. Is this shot one yet? I have not. No, I, I just, I was, you know, looking at it before the show. Um, definitely I'm like super into pistol caliber carbines. Um, I know some people hate them. Some people love them. I personally love them, especially because, you know, as you were saying, like ammo is super expensive. I don't have an ammo sponsor. So if I could shoot something that's like much more affordable than, you know, $3 a round, I'm all for it. Yeah. So what did you, when did you recently shoot this gun? Um, they reached out to me. Wow. It would have been right. I want to say right before shot show and then they reached out to me. Hey, Carl, we love your channel. Blah, blah, blah. We know you've got this, uh, background as an assaulter and everything, uh, snipery old unit, uh, blah, blah, blah. We want you to try out this nine, uh, this nine millimeter AR. It's like, I've got one of your ARs. They're like, no, this is nine millimeter. And I just kind of went, eh, you know, uh, it's a nine millimeter AR that runs off of Glock mags. And they're like, yeah, yeah, it runs off of Glock mags. And I went, eh, <laughs> because the, the, the reality is, is I'm a combat guy, yeah. combat shooting. My guns have to go bang every time. Doesn't matter if they're covered with mud, filled with dust, rain coming down, snow, me hanging upside down because I got my foot stuck on the ramp of the helicopter. This thing needs to go bang all the time. And my personal experience with AR, uh, nine millimeters, uh, they, they're fun to shoot. They're definitely fun to shoot, but they, they jam. They're not reliable. Um, even my wife's, uh, SIG MPX, and don't get me wrong. I love this, her SIG MPX. It's a nice gun, but it still jams and all these other brands. And I told the guy, I'm like, look, you know, I'll try it out if you want, but it's a nine mil AR. Uh, it's not gas impingement and it's, uh, it's going to jam. It runs off of Glock mags and an AR that's built for five, five, six. It's going to jam. And he just kind of smiled at me and he said, this is not direct. Uh, it says not direct blowback like the rest of them. It's delayed blowback. I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> You're um, like, just send me he, the stupid gun. Let's get this over with. Yeah. Yeah. So he <laughs> sent it to me. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go make this thing jam and we'll put it down and we'll pick something else up. And Ava, I'm here to tell you this, it, it pissed me off. I, it didn't matter what I put through it. I ran 115s, uh, crap American ammo, crap Mexican ammo. I ran, uh, wolf ammo, this ammo, that ammo. I even ran Barnes, uh, TAC XP through it. I ran Hornady, uh, all the good can still carry ammo. I ran frangible ammo through this. This puppy will not jam. It will not jam. I was like, no. And it weighs nothing. It's a little itty bitty thing. And again, it's got the, it's got the brace on it, pistol brace, super short barrel threaded. So I could put my dead air suppressor on it, but without the suppressor on it and a little itty bitty red dot, I can hang it on a one point sling. It fit, it will fit underneath my suit jacket and you won't even realize it's there. Dang. It weighs nothing. So anyways, I'm like, okay, it did good day one. It did day, it did good day three. I'm going to keep beating on it. And he called me back. He's like, when are we going to do a video? And I'm like, Hey, leave me alone. You know, I don't have an opinion <laughs> yet. I kept beating on it and I hit like the six, 9,000 round 
mark through this thing and I'm pouring everything through it. And I'm out teaching classes. I did this fun range day out in Wichita, Kansas. And, uh, this guy had his, no joke, eight years old, but he cowboy, eight year old cowboy from Wichita, Kansas. Cowboy had a, uh, 22 long rifle revolver in a leather holster on his hip. He learned firearm safety early, little itty bitty eight year old. And his dad had already showed him how to work dad's AR on the sandbag. So this kid, knew how to lock the slide to the rear on a full-size AR. He just couldn't hold up his dad's gun. We handed this little eight-year-old this little banshee that weighs nothing, and he stuck two uh, 30-round Glock mags into his back pockets and was out there doing up drills right next to the rest of the adults. Now, I stayed glued to this kid's side, you know, Mm-hmm. making sure there's no way he could get unsafe. One hand right under the gun, the other hand literally right over his shoulder. So I, I was there. I'm not cavalier. I'm not careless with safety around children at all. I was stressed out the whole time. But this kid, I want to say in the course of the whole day, he put five, six, seven mags through this gun. I'm like, okay, cool. It's a reliable gun and it's great for small people. Now, I'm not saying get it for your eight-year-old, not at all. But if you have a small spouse or a, uh, if you have a physical disability and you need a lighter gun, a, a lot of people can't have an AR in their house because they can't wield it. They can't wield a shotgun in their house because they're not physically capable of it. But for home defense, a rifle will always always, always beat a pistol. And I don't care if it's a pistol stock AR, it's going to beat you holding a pistol out as far as accuracy, speed, and make it nine millimeter. Now it's even lighter. And uh, if it jams or it runs out of ammo, I can quickly reach down and grab that same pistol, that Glock pistol reload mag for my Glock 17, stick it up into the gun and it runs like a champ. Now, so I was very impressed. Well, they came back at me again at the NRA show and they're like, Carl, that's nothing. Check this out. He hands me a full size, uh, Magpul AR mag. I was like, yeah, I've, I've got about 200 of them. So does everybody else on the planet. He's like, look at the follower. They make a insert. They've worked out a deal with Magpul and they make a, a follower for that fits inside of a Magpul mag, or you can get the whole mag from them. And it will uh, feed this banshee. So you can take the lower off of the banshee, which has a little narrow 9 mil magwell, and you can take this upper and you can put it on your regular AR that has your stock, your sling, your trigger that you're used to. And now you can feed this thing the same magpole AR mags that you're used to your muscle memory, and now instead of shooting expensive 5.56 ammo, you're shooting cheap 9 millimeter with this short Banshee upper. Hmm, I'm like, wow. okay, but that's that's not going to be reliable. It's not going to be reliable. Ava, I almost want to think they sent me a fluke. Hmm. I think this is that lemon, you know, that just doesn't work except reversed. I can't get this thing to die. I I can't, no matter what I do to it. Um, it has not been cleaned yet. Every once in a while, we'll put a little oil on it, but I'm going to keep running this thing 
So anyways, I just, I, I want to let everybody know out there, guys, I did, uh, 25 years as a Green Beret. I got the sexiest sniper rifles. I got the best optics, the best night vision. I got everything. The U.S. military special ops guys get the best gear. It is very, very hard to impress me with a firearm and the CMMG Banshee impresses the hell out of me. Now, full disclosure, I do not get a dime from CMMG. I do not have a discount code for you. I apologize for that, but I will tell you that uh, I'm not afraid to say it out loud that uh, I love this puppy. I really do. Hmm. I love it. Very nice. Um, and actually I was, so I'm looking at the gun because you said that you weren't really familiar with SB Tactical, but the brace that's on this gun is from SB Tactical. It's the SBA3. So if you like that brace, that's where it came from. And it's awesome then. How's that? Okay, good. Uh, MSRP though, it looks like it's about, uh, 1550. Can I touch on that for just a second? Yeah. Cause I, I actually went back to them and there's a lot cheaper AR, uh, nine mil ARs out there. Yeah. There are. And he said, hold on now, Carl, you're, you're, don't compare this to a direct blowback AR cause they are cheaper, but they're not reliable. You even said that. And I said, yeah, it's not. He's like, Compare this to the MP5 with the roller delayed blowback. And if you look at the price of an MP5 compared to the Banshee, the Banshee's $2,000 cheaper than a MP5. But you still have all the ergonomics of an AR with the reliability of the 9mm uh, MP5. So yeah, they are pricey, that is true. But if you want a combat gun, a, you know, a pistol caliber carbine that you can keep inside your house for home defense, for competing with, or, uh, just for having a blast in your backyard, hundred meter pistol range. Uh, I'm here to tell you, it, it's a joy to shoot. Very nice. Yeah. Actually, that's a good point. Um, as far as the price point. All right. Cool. Well, maybe one of these days I'll try it. Uh, I'll let you borrow this one. That would be really cool. I mean, you know, you're on my podcast, so like we're basically best friends now. So yeah. 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 Pretty well. <laughs> All right. So now iTunes reviews. Uh, so the first iTunes review is from Buradori, uh, Jay. I don't know. Uh, five stars, gun funny. Great show. At first I thought it was going to intertwine comedy and firearms. Then I realized her avatar is wearing bunny ears. So maybe it's supposed to be a play on gun bunny, but she's not a gun bunny. So I digress. <laughs> uh, I would like to think I'm funny sometimes. The podcast is very informative and presented in an easily digestible conversational way. You may remember her as one of the We Like Shooting crew. I always thought she brought a nice perspective to the podcast, so I was happy to find that she's out on her own now. Anyway, the format of the show has changed quite a bit over time, judging by some of the reviews. If you haven't heard it in a while or never heard of it before, then I recommend you give it a try. Aw, thank you. Uh, second is Squatty Bob, five stars, helps pass the time. As I increase, as I increase in age, I think in age, not and, yeah. uh, as I increase, increase in age and try to stay hip with the lingo of this young millennial generation, I tune into Gun Funny. I found at times the soothing voice of the lady host helps dull the sharp pains of the kidney stone I'm trying to pass. This podcast is too <laughs> legit to quit. Wiggity, wiggity, whack. 
<laughs> and you know what's really funny about my voice is um yesterday I met somebody and they said that they listen to my podcast, but like when they want to go to sleep because my voice is soothing. <laughs> well, first they said they listen to it when they want to go to sleep. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm really, yeah, I'm that, that boring. Come across and right. and they're like, no, it's just, you have like a really soothing voice. And I've heard so many people say that. Whereas like, personally, I hate my voice. I think I sound like a, uh, yeah. You want to get that? Yeah. Carl. No. No. <laughs> Sorry about that. Way to ruin my podcast. No. Way to, way to interrupt, uh, all of the listeners. <laughs> but I just thought that that was kind of funny. Who would have thought that I'd be known for my soothing voice? All right. We are finally going to wrap up. So if you guys want to find me, just go to gunfunny.com. I do have a YouTube channel. Actually, there's two YouTube channels on gunfunny.com. There's the one where I just post the audio of the show if you guys don't know how to use any of the other links. Otherwise, um, I would say check out my YouTube channel that I just started a few months ago. I've been, you know, posting videos regularly and uh hopefully you guys enjoy it. If you can't get enough, I would, you know, I would recommend becoming a Patreon. $1 gets you access to our patron only Facebook page. And, uh, there's a lot of like behind the scenes stuff there. A lot of inappropriate stuff, funny things, you know, it's basically like, I feel like you're not living life if you're not in the Patreon group, honestly. So you guys should probably head on over to patreon.com forward slash gun funny and become a Patreon and blown deadline. And I'm sure that everyone's familiar with his stuff. You probably have seen it because it's everywhere. So Blown Deadline is giving away a uh, $300 gift certificate for Cerakote job every month to a lucky Patreon. And you don't have to be a certain pledge. Uh, it could be even just a dollar. And, uh, and then I wanted to say thank you to all the Patreons because it helps me to um, afford an editor who is Kenny Ortega. And I also wanted to thank the $25 Patreons, Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran 8888, Ryan Morrison, Michael Alexio, Silencer Shop, Joe Lyons, and Charger Arms. And King of the Patreon is still Jon Snow. He wants me to say that rules of fighting, number one, don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Number two, don't bring a gun to an Operator Tickles fight. And Operator Tickles is my dog. We're going to make her famous. She's getting there. All right. And then one last thing, tag pack giveaway. So every month I'm picking a lucky winner to win a tag pack. And all you have to do to enter that giveaway is go to gunfunny.com forward slash TP and just enter your name and your email address. And I pick a lucky winner. Otherwise, if you want to just head on over there and get your box, all you have to do is go to tagpack.com, enter the code gunfunny, and you will receive a free ABKT knife with your first box. And I got to say, the knife's really nice. Um, I really like the grip on it. So it's, it's definitely a nice knife. All right, Carl. I also just wanted to say thank you so much uh, for being on the show. It was really great to get to know you. You definitely are doing an awesome job. Definitely. I mean, you have an awesome job. But well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Of course. And hopefully, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'll probably see you at uh, an event here in the near future. But one one last time, just remember or just remind uh, listeners where they can find you online. You can find me again at tacticalrifleman.com if you want book classes or if you're just looking for videos, you can go to our YouTube channel, Tactical Rifleman. All right. Thanks, Ava. I appreciate the pitch. Oh, yeah, of course. All right, guys, we are out of here. Thank you.
Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.